1: Here we go. Happy 2022. This is the Piffles podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Alex. I'm Steve.
0: And I am finally in the Queen City for like five more days. And I'm heading back.
1: That's not that's not a hotel in the background. What what the hell?
0: It's my office, which is full of helmets and other sports memorabilia that (laughs) needs to be hung up and moved to other places. But yes, I am finally home for another couple days and I'll be in calgary next week god damn it anyway boo calgary. boo calgary
1: give us a follow on twitter at piffles pod you can give me a follow at real alex d you can follow me at safamod and in
0: 2022 i still do not need your pity follows at greg on sports just do not even try
1: Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elfett Stone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. As we get things going for 2022, we have a lot to talk about because we haven't been here since before the Great Cup. Let's get to it. It's time for the opening kickoff. And uh, as we get started here, let me just pop open. Yeah, lawnmower. A nice lawnmower from Churchill Brewing Company.
0: I, I'm, I'm enjoying an intrepid IPA.
1: Hey, we, we rounded it out. I got a Belgian white. There we go. Again, Churchill Brewing Company, proud sponsor of the Pivots Podcast. So we haven't been around since before the Grey Cup. I think after the Riders lost the uh, the West Final in 2021, we were just like, nah, we don't want to talk about the Bombers anymore. Oh. That sucked. So I think that's why we just didn't end up doing a show.
0: I right? Why would we want to talk about that? Like it. Like don't get me wrong. The, the best thing about the Grey Cup that halftime show, like, well, well choice. I enjoyed every minute of that halftime show. I enjoyed I, uh, Hamilton actually, kind of giving the Bombers some uh, uh, a challenge there, but it ended up the way we said it was going to end up, and great I,
2: second half. Yeah, I I felt incredibly unsafe. In the last thirty seconds after that game ended, just uh, surrounded by a very, very angry mob of of black and gold fans. I kind
0: of forgot you were there actually until this very moment. I forgot you were you were literally in the Lions uh, Tigers den. I guess
2: for this recording or for uh, at Grey Cup,
0: uh, both actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're
1: not going to dwell on that. We all know what happened in that game, and uh, it's just I tell you, every time they win things get worse and worse in the okay. world. So
0: can I bring up one thing though? And I, I and I, I hate to steal John Frazier stick from the green cast, but why Calera should not have been the MVP of that game or MOP of that game. I am sorry. That was, that's a garbage call. Like seriously, Sergio Castillo was the reason why the bombers won that great cup. Can we be honest?
2: hundred percent. The MVP, hundred percent.
0: Like, it it was like when uh, McCallum basically won it for the BC Lions and they gave him most outstanding Canadian they probably should have given both awards on that one because that
1: yeah whatever I'm I'm
0: sick of fancy stats and I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm whining but I'm sick of fancy stats
1: yeah you whine way too much Greg okay
0: I am sick of fancy stats yeah like you, you talk about the guys getting like the sacks and the receptions and this and that but there's other players out there that are doing just as much, if not more, than the guys that get the numbers. And Castillo won that game for the bummer. It wasn't for his kicking. If they would have had um, Le- uh, Legolo out there, or Leggy, or Leg- Legolas, or, I don't know, the guy from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Anyway, if they had him out there kicking field goals, Ty Cats would be your uh, great cup champions right now.
2: You know who else should have won the uh, most outstanding player? Whoever it was for the Cats that gave up the single at the end. Tim White. G- give him an award. That was a...
0: Okay, was that planned or was that him doing it on his own?
2: He did it no. on his own. They, they gave him the option.
0: And if that was planned, is that the reason why Reinbold's now in Wide now
1: <laughs> Might have something to do with it. We'll uh, talk about Reinbold in a bit. Let's get to the Riders stuff, guys. I don't want to dwell on that great cup. Everybody knows what happens in that great cup. What Um, great cup? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 2022, the Riders have uh, started with 52 free agents. Jeremy O'Day slowly knocking a few off the list. The big ones uh, just happening over the last week or so, obviously on the offensive line, Logan Ferland and Evan Johnson. And as bad as that O-line was last year, um, they did get better and you want to see continuity in your O-line because you can't just put together five guys on the O-line and expect them to be great. So you need them together for a little bit to work and having the Canadians there obviously makes a big difference.
0: Well, guy, yeah, everyone knows I've been pumping Logan Furland's tires for almost 3 seasons now when he was still a junior with the Thunder, practicing with the Riders. Like he is going to he is the future lineman of this league. He is going to be in the contention for lineman of, of the year at some point in the near future. He is that good. And he didn't is, look out of place. Is this just is this as, just as a you pure rookie he, pump as a your tires?
2: R- hmm? Is this do you just wanting to pump your tires because you called it from the start?
0: Well that too. Like don't get me wrong, I will gladly pump my pump his tires while pumping my own tires. <laughs> I, I can multitask at this. My point is though, like he is that good. And as a pure rookie he didn't look out of place. Evan Johnson, not what we expected when we signed him, but he's still a solid local player who's hopefully still got his best years in front of him.
1: I don't think he was bad last year, but he wasn't. uh, I mean, when you're putting together a makeshift line after Brendan Labatt ducks out, I mean, realistically, we couldn't have expected much better out of them, to, to be honest, especially looking at it now with hindsight. It's easy to say now, but...
0: At the same time, the, inter- the interior line didn't bother me. It we we definitely got we definitely got um, handcuffed by, unfortunately, the outside of that line, and that's where uh, Cofield and well, I'm drawing a blank now. Taryn Vaughn. Taren Vaughn would have been very helpful this year.
1: Yeah. Um, Oday with uh, possibly one of the biggest bargains of the year, getting linebacker Micah Tights on a two-year deal at. Uh, really reasonable price, according to three Down nations. So big, uh, big signing there because he was fantastic last I'm, season. Not that he was a, like an all-star by any means, but he was very solid and he didn't make mistakes. And honestly, for a guy in his first year of starting, especially being a, a Canadian to me, that's a big win.
2: I, I, you say a reasonable contract. I call that an absolute steal hundred was it 115 and 120 grand for the next two years for a guy that has a chance to be in the running for uh, uh, defensive player uh, of the year like he was he was up there this year he was a top quality Canadian linebacker and we got him at you know ground floor price I, I love that signing
0: and the nice thing about Micah tights is yeah like we, we got him cheap. But he will, like, he was my nominee. If I had to vote, which obviously I don't, he would have been the rider's nominee for most outstanding Canadian because he played that good this year. Everyone wants to talk about how good Cam Judge was. There's, like, very little step, like, very little drop-off from when Cam Judge went away. So,
2: And that was probably our biggest concern going into last year was who's going to step in and take over for Judge. And from week one, there was, there felt like there was no concern there.
0: And once again, that goes back to fancy stats. (laughs) What Micah tights Tights does does not get, get the stats. that gets noticed. And
1: the other signing making uh, waves in Ryderville cornerback, Nick Marshall back for another year, which was uh, a no brainer. You got to keep that secondary as much intact as possible. And he's a shutdown corner. Yeah. He'll give up, uh, a couple of big plays here and there, but the the high risk, high reward with him is absolutely worth it because he's proven himself over the last couple of years. He's an elite cornerback in the CFL. It's well,
2: you pa- said it. Go ahead. You're, you're going to give up the, the big plays. You're going to get, you're going to get the hothead penalties, but I'll take those every day for the absolute game changing. He play, plays, he makes going the other way. He's somebody that the defense has to watch out for every step of the way.
0: And it still baffles me, he was a quarterback in college. <laughs> like That's probably one. one of the best cornerbacks in the CFL was a quarterback in college, which is ironic if you think that Kerry Joseph was a cornerback
2: in the NFL. Yeah, he was a, a safety in the NFL. NFL. Yeah. Sports are
1: weird. <laughs> Football is weird. <laughs> you're a good player, you're a good player.
0: No um, other no other league would take a player and move him position like that drastically. It's like, hey, you're a decent goalie in junior let's make you a first line center. That just does not happen.
1: So a couple signings there, obviously more to come over the next month before free agency starts on February the 8th. And we'll uh, keep our eye on those as well, because there's still what, like 46, 48 names on that list still. So we'll see what uh, Jeremy O'Day views as a priority as we hit free agent day. And uh,
0: we know the big ones are the receivers. Like is oh, Shaq gone? Is, is, Duke, is Duke back? Yeah. Like that that's gonna be a big that's gonna be a big one. Is yeah, what, we'll get what, in, what we'll, is his offense gonna look like?
1: And we'll get into free agency a little bit more as as we get closer to it and more guys are signed. Um, Greg, you found what we're assuming is the slogan for Grey Cup 109 here in uh, here in Regina in November. Oh, it, is.
0: it is bring
1: it to the heartland. <sighs> I don't love it, Ooh. but I love that it's going to get so many people, a.k.a. the other eight fan bases, so mad because of the word heartland, claiming that Saskatchewan is the heartland of the CFL, which, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that, really.
0: Prove us wrong.
1: But it's going to get them so mad, and I love it for that reason.
0: I, I mean, probably so that's going to limit their merchandise sales. <laughs>
2: how, how many people go out and specifically buy... Grey Cup merch with the slogan on it. I honestly couldn't tell you the slogan of the 2021 Grey Cup, and I was there.
0: They didn't have one. I looked it up. Well, there you I, go. I literally looked it up. The, Are we the, the only could, city that has one? The, the uh the Hamilton one didn't have one. It was uh, uh there's because when I wrote the article, I was like, well, what was the Hamilton one? I cu- I couldn't even think of it. So I looked it up, and the closest I could find is when they announced it, they said uniquely Hamilton but that's about it. Um, Calgary was experienced the energy and obviously every single Saskatchewan one has had some kind of goofy let's, catchphrase to it. Okay.
1: Let's rank those Saskatchewan ones really quick. We had huddle up in Saskatchewan. We had I like flat that out in Saskatchewan celebration in Rider nation and now bring it to the heartland.
2: Huddle uh, up in Saskatchewan is number one. Yeah. The unquestioned Sask- number one
0: for several reasons. One, it was the first great cup we hosted Two. People literally had to huddle up because people were inviting people into their homes because we was, didn't have hotels.
1: It was so cold that week too. Yeah, had to huddle up in the stands.
0: So that, that one is definitely number one. Actually, I'm going to tell you the last one. The last one is obviously celebration rider nation. I'm sorry. Like as much as I love the 20 to 13 gray cop, that is a, that was a bad slogan. I'm sorry.
1: As an outsider, that would, I would, I mean, obviously I wouldn't care about another team's grey cup slogan but like not that it's offensive but it's like really you guys like you're inviting all of canada here and you're just gonna make it a Celebrate big giant yourself. green. yeah it's just a big giant green party which what, what was what well, it, it was. ended up being but <laughs> i mean
0: still and i flat out uh, flat out was great because flat out was a lot of fun uh, flat out underneath the big top on scar street the the big party they had when they tented in all of Scar Street was a good time. So flat out was good. So I would have to rank this one third because so, like I said, Celebration Rider Nation is
2: bad. I I don't want to sound boring, but my ranking is exactly the same. I, I'm i not a fan of the new slogan. It's still a great Cup slogan. In the, in the grand scheme of things, we're sitting here in January ranking Grey Cup slogans. So thanks for <laughs> CFL news, but like Will we remember it until the next time the Grey Cup happens here? If you asked me before today to name all four, all three slogans, I would have given you Huddle Up in Saskatchewan. I don't even think I would have remembered Celebration in Rider Nation.
0: I wrote the article and I today, and that out. was the only one I couldn't remember. I remembered <laughs> Flat Out. I remembered Huddle Up. I could not remember Celebration. I'm like, what was 2013? And then I had to look it up, and I found it.
2: Because that just felt like a headline after the game, not a slogan for the week of. Like the perfect, perfect headline after they won. But not a real Grey Cup celebration. Slogan. All right. One more thing here on the opening kickoff is,
1: uh, you know what? We'll we'll put this in the odds and ends zones. Uh, That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feston of Royal LePage or Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones as we're all sitting here enjoying a beautiful, tasty Churchill Brewing Company beverage right now. We're going to talk about Chris Jones. And our quarterback, Cody Fajardo. So Chris Jones, as we all called, was going to be the GM and head coach and whatever else he decides he wants to be in Edmonton. Um, He's going to have G Roy Simon Watch the Wally
0: Buono chagrin.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's going to have G Roy Simon there as his assistant GM as well to but uh, Terry Jones of the uh, you know, Edmonton beat writer uh, who's covered the Edmonton franchise for decades. Centuries? Really? Pu- published a, uh, an article on Chris Jones and, and he was defending hiring Stephen McAdoo. And of course we all knew as soon as Chris Jones was going there, well, Stephen McAdoo is going to go with him to be his offensive coordinator. Sure enough, yes, that's what happened. Now he was defending McAdoo and he called out Cody Fajardo in the same vein, basically saying, Cody Fajardo, yeah, he had, a gr- he had a very good year in 2019, but what happened to him in 2020 he- or 2021? He regressed, and he didn't have Steven McAdoo as his coordinator. Why the riders didn't keep McAdoo is beyond me, and they went after Jason Moss. doesn't make any sense when you have a guy who came out of nowhere and led the league in passing and led the team to first place. All of a sudden you want to change his offensive coordinator. So that's basically what Chris Jones was saying. And in doing so he said, well, Cody's not a top five passer in the league. He's a good runner and he wins, which is ultimately what matters. He's a winner, but not a top five passer. And this brings me to my question to you guys. Have you, between this and Everything else we've seen about Cody Fajardo, Eddie Steele said it here on the show. He doesn't see Cody Fajardo as a franchise quarterback. And we're seeing it from other personalities in the CFL players. John Rush has said it as well, saying, I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Have you ever seen a starting quarterback in the CFL take so much heat from players and coaches that are still in the league this
2: openly in public before? Because I've never seen this. From players and coaches, no, I don't. I don't think I have. I, I've seen negativity around a bunch of quarterbacks over the years. You know, we we look at at from a fan perspective. Trevor Harris gets absolutely crapped on on a constant basis from all nine fan bases. But from people within the league, th- this feels uh, almost unheard of. You don't see a lot of guys attacking current players. Period
0: to borrow a phrase from hockey, it's the code. You, You don't go at another player publicly because bulletin board material, this, that, the other thing. But I think, unfortunately for Cody, after his press conference, after the season, the knock on him, right or wrong, is he's soft. This stuff gets to him. So, unfortunately... We're probably gonna see a lot more of this until Cody can jam it down their throats. Cause you look at Cody this past year with the deep ball thing. All of a sudden he stopped throwing the deep ball because he even publicly said, I I these 50-50 balls, I don't know if the guys are gonna get them or not. It caused a division between him and his receivers. He caused that problem. So next thing you know, the narrative's out there that Cody and his receivers aren't getting along. And it affected. you could tell it affected Cody because all of a sudden he just stopped throwing. Like. Guy. Coaches and players would never go at other guys because they didn't want that bulletin board took because the minute you put that out there, it's up there and then you get beaten by it. Like no one ever said Michael Bishop could, couldn't read a cereal box. We always knew he couldn't. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Michael no one, Bishop.
1: But no they, one ever said anything about it. The fans did, and that, and I mean that. Honestly, in in the the conversation, that doesn't matter. The fans are going to hate on everybody. That's just you talk, that's
0: just you fan to, nature. You talk to people privately who knew in the league about Michael Bishop and that, well, his look at his Wonderlook score? Like it's it's public knowledge. Like his Wonderlook score
2: was a crayon box.
0: Yeah, like not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but the guy could kneel at on the fifty yard line and hit the goalpost throwing the ball like gifted with talents of a god but the brain of a five-year-old it seems like i'll never forget like winnipeg holding up like giant signs because he could not remember the signals
1: but
2: But, but, four verticals
1: but no one ever said anything about him in, in public though like there, yeah, it was it was done behind closed doors, I guess, but it was never out like this. And to see this many people go after a guy who's won way more games than any other quarterback in Ryder history in his first two seasons is beyond me.
0: The only teams that have beaten him are Calgary and Winnipeg. He's beaten everyone else, literally everyone else. He's only lost to Calgary and Winnipeg, Ottawa, and uh, well, okay, if you don't. <laughs> Not well, you okay, can't. Whatever, but okay. That one game. Sorry. After also, Ottawa. that af- after his first start, in quotation marks, that he was only supposed to play half a game for. But yes. So, I don't know. It's so, just, so I I think like, unfortunately I think the rap's on him. It, they're they're trying to rattle his cage.
1: So, what Chris Jones said was was dumb. Like to me that like I, I get what he's doing. He's trying to trying to back his hire. And, and any good coach will do that and he'll fight for his guy. And clearly, Stephen McAdoo is his guy. But you don't talk about another team's player. It just doesn't happen. You just never, ever do. The only time you ever hear any coach talk about another player from another team is that's a good football player or he does this well, he does this well. It's never anything negative. But all we're hearing about Cody Fajardo is negative, negative, negative. So, like... Greg, you mentioned the, the the presser that he had at the end of the year where he broke down when it was a simple question from Rob Vanstone asking him what what does it mean to you to be the the rider starting quarterback, and he even as as he was crying in that answer he said I'm not the most talented quarterback, but you know I give him my all and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else and then it's frustrating when everybody just tries to rip you down and I'm not trying to rip Cody Fajardo down here because that's not the, the the appropriate thing to do here, but He's taken a lot of this stuff personally. And yes, when you're seeing that stuff on social media, it's kind of hard not to. But at the same time, this is pro sports. And we've seen in the pros that you have to be, I hate saying this, I hate this phrase, but you have to be mentally tough. But it's just a different mindset as a quarterback. When you look at what Michael Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell did, they were taking so much crap on social media. They cut it completely out. They stopped seeing that stuff. And I'm sure that they're feeling much better because of that. To me, that's something Cody has to do. But, I mean, it it comes down to just uh, going out there and proving everybody wrong. And with this bulletin board material, Edmonton plays Saskatchewan week two. I wish that game was here in Regina for Chris Jones to come back, but it's in Edmonton. But uh, that's to me, that's Cody's first game to really prove it is, I mean, yeah, he can do that in week one of the season as well, two against, what is it, Hamilton. Um, but week two against Edmonton, against the coach that called you out like that. That's the time to, to really show everybody what you're made of. And I heard a good point from uh, a writer reporter, Britton Gray of uh, CJME. And he goes, 2019, there was no expectations for Cody Fajardo. And he blew any expectation you could have found from essentially a third-string quarterback out of the water. And he had almost an MOP season. The expectations for 2021 were so high on him, and he clearly did not meet those individual you know, statistic expectations, that what is a realistic expectation for Cody Fajardo in 2022? Should he be at the top, or should he be, what Chris Jones says, not a top-five passer?
0: Well, here's the thing though, as much as everyone wants to crap on the Riders' offense and what the team did this year, they were still second in the West. They were first in the West in 2019. Like, unfortunately, any stumble is going to be very noticeable when you're coming off two winning seasons, two Western finals and two home playoff games. Like, And it's not on Cody. And I get it. Like the quarterback, no matter who it is, it doesn't matter if you're Cody Fajardo, Michael Riley, Michael Bishop, you are the team is, is only as good as its quarterback, whether it's true or not. So yes, a lot of how the Riders are going to do are going to be based on Cody Fajardo, whether he has anything to do with it or not. I'd cheer for the Patriots. Matt Jones passed three times in one game. The Patriots still won like that should tell you how important a quarterback actually is to a team. He's just as important as any other player. Just that he touches the ball way more than everyone else.
1: So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Cody Fajardo shut people up this year. I don't think he's one of the top two quarterbacks in the league, but I think he's right there and he has the potential to absolutely be that guy. Like I've said, I think he's the right guy in the right time for the riders and great cup at home. He's definitely the quarterback I'd want on my team. I'd put Cody in three
0: or four. I really would. Yeah. Like, I
1: think that's fair. Three, three, maybe
0: like a healthy bow, healthy Zach, a healthy Michael Riley. Those are probably your top three. And then Cody's right there.
2: I don't even know if I rank Zach Calero's that high or not. He, they, they have, they have the best O-line in football, period. Their defense is top-notch. How many games did, did Zach Caleros go out and win for that team? The fact that he, he won most outstanding player to me was a joke. And I could go off on that for hours. Like, their defense, every player on their defense should have been voted in before Zach Caleros. He was voted in because he finally survived 18 games. That's all it was. It was 14 games. See, four more games. He wouldn't have done it. (laughs) Still hasn't played a full season. He was not the most outstanding player last year.
1: All right. A couple other things I want to get to here this week is a really interesting hire to me in the CFL was Jeff Reinbold. Basically, saying, no, I'm not going to be the special teams coordinator in Hamilton anymore. He was offered the position and and declined it. And a week later, just signs with Montreal to be their special teams coordinator. Makes me wonder about, we go back to that, we were talking about at the beginning of the show, that single point that they gave up. Not that he was a scapegoat in that, because I don't believe that to be true, but there must have been some sort of internal communication issue about that and i think that uh reinbold didn't want to take the the heat on that
0: well i think it's kind of telling in his very pixelated goodbye image to uh hamilton that he went out of his way to basically compliment steinauer for being a good man (laughs) But not necessarily a good coach or however he worded it. Um, Obviously, there's a disagreement on what to do on that play. I don't know who actually won that uh dis- that argument. And that's just me reading between the lines. I could be very wrong, but the fact of the matter that is, he decided not to return to Hamilton after back-to-back Grey Cups and decided to go to Montreal is very telling. There's obviously a disconnect between him and the the remainder of the coaching staff.
2: To me, I think it all comes down to this, the notion that he wants to win a gray cup and he's in Hamilton. That's not allowed. So he's got to go somewhere else to, uh, to win that cup. They're, they're not, they're not going to win it anytime soon. If they couldn't win it at home, they're, they're not going to see it in our lifetime. That's just the way it is. So he wanted to go somewhere. And, and Montreal is a team that was on the rise at the end of last year. I, I think he made the right choice in, uh, in and ship why he did it who knows i i see exactly what greg is talking about there seemed to be uh almost a disconnect in his message and i'd be curious if there's a tell-all book at the end of his career and want in that book 45 years
0: J- just for just for the vegas chapter i want that book <laughs> i don't care about anything else that vegas chapter is amazing i just want to
2: uh, read the winnipeg chapter
0: well that's t- well coming out on a motorcycle that, that that's also a good chapter but the, the fact that he basically spent most of his time driving the head coach to the casino like the the chapter on vegas uh, in um ed wiles book of uh end zones and border wars bloody amazing just pick up that book if you have, if you want to see a fell book that's my recommendation great book
1: And the Montreal Alouettes also making a splash, signing Anthony Calvillo to be their quarterback coach. Which, if you're Vernon Adams Jr., you now have Anthony Calvillo, arguably the GOAT CFL quarterback ever. At least top three, at the very least, with Ricky Ray and and Doug Flutie. You have Calvillo and you have Kahari Jones, who was the most outstanding player himself and a very good coach. you got to be pretty happy if you're Vernon Adams Jr., Walking into that room, first day of training camp.
0: I want to come back to something after this, but yes, you got to, yes. Vernon Adams has got a very, very good uh, coaching staff. Uh, uh, coaching uh, staff in front of him, and it's Montreal is a team on the rise. And Calvio back in Montreal—that's where he needs to be. And the fact that he is coming back from the Caribbeans, where he was with Danny Machocha, just makes sense. Which I, being the GM, definitely is a, a good thing for him. But okay, where do you put Damon Allen? I'm sorry, I got to come back to this.
1: Where would I put Damon Allen in the yes. all time great running back? Uh, he'd be very close to pre- yeah four or five. You have to think Danny McManus has got to be up there too, even though he threw a boatload of interceptions.
2: I'm sorry, you're putting Danny McManus in the top ten.
0: You wouldn't have Danny Mac in the top 10?
2: No. For exactly the reason that you, you mentioned for uh, above. But the then again, how, how high do you put Ron Lancaster in then? The 90s, yeah, Max. you can't. Yeah. <laughs> not not quite to that extent. He, he, he had a still, knack for it. He
1: still threw touchdowns in one games and won Grey cups.
2: Okay, maybe maybe top 11.
0: And he threw threw the deepest oh, wow. ball at uh, Ryderville at uh, flat out the uh, flat out I've ever saw in my life. So,
2: oh, Daniel. the real question oh. is, how high do you rank Warren Moon?
0: That's a tough one. As a
2: CFL quarterback,
0: but be- exactly before our time as fans, but dude won a ton of games. All he did was win. He yeah. won every single year. So. You got You got to put him up in the top five. You have to. If he would have stayed in the league, like, how many would you would have won?
2: How many years would he have played? Well, that's it. That meant that many. <laughs> like, like Alex said, all he does was win. I mean, to me, if you're talking pure talent and, and quality of player, Warren moon's the number one quarterback. I, I wish I had the, the pleasure to watch him play, but he he only played what five was it five seasons before five he seasons? went down south. Yeah. Five yeah. seasons, five great Cups, outstanding player, and he left at the top of his game.
0: And he made cookies in the off season.
2: <laughs> made cookies in the off season. Friend but, of the
1: show, Warren Moon.
2: Yeah, friend of the show. We friend of the show.
1: And I just like to throw out that we had him on before uh, Edmonton had them. <laughs> On, uh, on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more question for you guys. And uh, this this crossed my mind as uh, I, I saw a story that ESPN apparently wants to give Alex Rodriguez his own ManningCast cast style broadcast for MLB games. And we've been watching, you know, Monday Night Football and Eli and Peyton Manning doing their you know, having their four awesome guests or three awesome guests, whoever they're having and just chatting football and having fun. The CFL needs to jump on this because I think this is where sports broadcasting is going to go is having two good characters just shooting the breeze about the game. They don't have to be brothers, but you know what I mean? They have to have a good rapport, obviously, to make it work. And clearly baseball wants to do something like this. ESPN does. Who would make a great CFL duo to make this work? Because you can still have your panel and your play-by-play guys on TSN 1, 4, and 5. Put, put an option like this on TSN 3, and I think it'd be fantastic. They can be current players. They can be former players. They can be coaches, whatever. Who would make a great CFL duo for a CFL-style
2: Manning cast? Charleston Hughes and Sean Lemon. For pure See, entertainment and nothing else. I, I'm Ooh. not on board the Charleston. I'm not. He's not that fun. Hmm.
0: I, I think it'd be it'd be fun for them busting balls of <laughs> the guys they know, and but after a while that shtick would get old. <laughs> I, I think I, it'd hey just guys, be four quarters be of them
1: going at each up. other. No, they're, hey guys, we're going to bring on Doug Flutie with you guys because, you know, that's what they're doing with the, the Manning cast. They're yeah. bringing on huge names. Hey guys, we're going to bring on Doug Flutie, the greatest or the number one, you know, CFL player of all time, voted, right? Like, we're going to bring him on. What the hell are they going to talk to him about? They're not going to have fun with him. that will be boring. <laughs> Obviously, that'd be terrible to watch.
2: <laughs> How much they like to hit quarterbacks.
0: I, I think, Milt, if you want to take him off the panel, I think Milt would be good. But I don't know who you put with him. Like, if you put Dunnigan with him, it would just be ca- utter chaos. You still need someone that could kind of s- steer the ship. And I don't know who that'd be right now,
1: to be honest. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hear me out. And I know Ryder fans are going to hate the, the first name here, Henry Burris. I think he would be absolutely fantastic. He is very, very sharp. He is funny. He knows a lot of the guys in the league still. He Knows the CFL game He would be able to break it down like a Peyton Manning does for the Manning cast But he could have fun with the guests as well Now to Compliment him Gotta have somebody that has a good rapport with him Right Nick Lewis
0: Actually Nick Lewis is a good idea Actually know who else would be I hate to say this Would be not Bad at it Ah I I don't think I've got this guy props, so. As long as he can keep his pants up.
1: John Cornish. Yeah. I think he'd be okay.
0: Dude can talk. Dude is charming. He's very good at that schmarmy game show shtick. I think he'd be okay with it. You put Burris and Cornish on there, I would actually might watch it.
2: Apparently, it's basically all Stampeders and Blue Bombers. (laughs)
0: Let's face it, the writers are not known for their personalities that don't get arrested. (laughs)
1: Wow. (laughs) Okay, hear me out. Option two, Chris Jones and Darian Durant. (laughs) That'd be moderately successful.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I want to sit at that table. Just once. Or or Chris Jones and and, uh, Cody Fajardo. Or Chris Jones and Basically, Chris Jones and anybody he's had a relationship with in the past. Literally anybody. (laughs) Deron Carter. But in seriousness, though,
1: this, like I said, this is where it seems that broadcasts in sports are going to end up. And the NFL and now MLB are going to be ahead of the curve on this. Would this be something that you'd want? At least it wouldn't be the only broadcast for the game. You'd still have your play-by-play guys. You'd still have Suter and Dustin Nielsen as as your ones. And you'd still have you know, Dwayne Ford and, and whoever else, Rod Smith, right. Like you'd still have the broadcast of them, but just on, you know, TSN two or just another option to have this, would this be something that you guys would want to see? Like, is, is this something that could market the CFL a little bit better and, and bring in more fans?
0: Well, if they did do it, there will be pushback as much as there was pushback on the Manning cast because people don't like fun. Unfortunately, like, Sports is entertainment. As much as people don't want to admit it, sports at the end of the day is about the entertainment dollar. So whatever you can do to make more money, either the broadcaster will do or the league will do or the teams will do. I. Everyone, everyone complains that the CFL doesn't do enough to market itself, doesn't do enough to raise its profile. It wouldn't hurt, but it has to be done right. But I, I don't know how you do it. Because TSN unfortunately has their system and they will, so it shows, they will only do so much, even though they are actually a part of the ownership of the league. Yep. You know, maybe, I, I maybe might revenue, maybe revenue sharing will help. Who knows?
2: I might be the only one in North America. I watched two of the Manning casts. To me, it got boring very quickly. If you do it, you have to do it right. And you have to do it sparingly. You can't do it every week because then they've been they've been smart in spacing it out. They don't do it every week. They don't do it, uh, and they change it up every time. But it, you have to do it that way. Like I wouldn't watch the a CFL version of that 18 times. Zero no, but, chance. No, you, but I'd you, watch it six. I'd watch it eight. You, you know, you, you every do, other you do it week, a couple you know. times a
0: season. Yeah, maybe six out of 18 weeks. Um, and you don't do any more uh, in-game interviews. Let's just get rid of those. Let's just get rid of I, I those. I don't. Anyways. I don't know why that became a thing, but that needs to stop.
2: Keith Urban should be part of the the broadcast duo. That's where he should go with it.
0: My, my my favorite is when they brought uh, the uh, singer of the Arkells and Max. Is that his name?
2: Yeah, yeah Max Kerman. into the
0: great guy. and you can tell he wanted nothing to do with it. He knew he he knew it was like he, he wanted played. to watch his team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that too. And he, I think he wanted to watch the team and he probably is like, guys, as a fan, I hate this. Like, just get me out of here.
1: (laughs) I want to see the CFL do something like this. Like I said, it's not going to be the only broadcast. You're still going to have the option to not watch that and still have your riveting play-by-play that you'll have. But I say do it. Why not? Give, and, give and bring people it.
0: options. Like, seriously, yeah, and bring they...
1: in guys. Get Damon Allen to to show up as a guest. You don't need to have one every quarter like they do with the uh, with the Mannings. You can still and, and and just bring in like it could just be the two hosts just talking for quite a while. Whoever to share some old stories. People want to hear stories. They don't want to see the X's and O's anymore. You're gonna have the hardcores that do want to see that. And I still love seeing all the X's and O's, but I want to hear some stories. Get me some couple guys from an old 1980s team that can just tell some stories that you're like, wow, that, that, that happened? Like, I mean,
0: give me Wayne, Give me a quarter of a Wayne Shaw interview.
1: Well, as someone who frequents uh, phone calls from Wayne Shaw for work, um, that works once. Great man. Very, very nice. Works only once for an interview. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have an hour, go back and find that episode of the People's Podcast because Wayne Shaw did not disappoint. He was fantastic.
0: (laughs) And this being January 6th, it actually probably is very fitting. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) Go to it. Wow. That's a... Uh, that's a reference I mean, that's a, well done that's a, that's a good way to end the show right there is what that is <laughs>
2: um, I we'll wish people could see the time. recording Greg is way yeah. too proud of himself right now
0: oh I'm super proud of myself on that. <laughs> I'm crying I'm laughing so hard
1: yeah I think that's it's time to go That's, that's <laughs> we're not going to top that anymore tonight so let's uh, let's just end there we can come back in a week or two and, and talk a little bit more free agency. We'll have some more news by then on the riders for sure. And we can get into a little bit more in-depth free agent stuff. Uh, until then, though, that's uh, this has been the Piffles Podcast, of course, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festian of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support and this nice cold beer, making this support or making this show possible. And, of course, we're a member of the CFP and the Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Greg, are you done crying? You done I, laughing? I think I am, yeah. Yeah? Are you ready yeah. to sing? Sure, why not? Here's your time. Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert and Greg.
0: Give me more shots.